sun standing still, an incredible event to say the least. This is more than an awesome story. It is a picture of how our faith and God work hand in hand to accomplish great things. Join us and our lead pastor, Brian Lane, as we conclude our series, Sun Stand Still. Good morning, kids, teens. It's almost Christmas vacation. They're not very excited. Teachers, it's almost Christmas vacation. I'm even excited about Christmas vacation because you know what that means? I don't have to get up and get my kids to school in the morning. You know, that's an awesome thing. And so how many of you loved the kids program last Sunday? Yeah. I just want to say thank you again to Pastor Becca and our children's department for putting that on. It was a, it was a great message, or it was a great service. I just want to thank you so much. And this morning, we're finishing up our series, Sun Stand Still. The next Sunday morning, uh, we're having our Christmas Eve service. It's at our regular service time of 1030. There's not an extra service next Sunday for Christmas Eve. We're just having the one service at 1030 next week. Um, but uh, we're going to finish up Sun Stand Still, and then I've got a Christmas message for you next week. But the reason we've been looking at this is because I've been feeling that as a church, we really need to step out in our faith. I really feel that we need to go to another level in our faith because we do not have the faith. We do not have the confidence and assurance that we need to have for God to take this thing to the next level, for God to do something fresh, for God to do something powerful, for us to live a life of expectation because I feel like we're stuck in a rut. We're stuck in a rut of the normal, of the comfortable, of the groove that we just find ourselves in like your mattress gets after you've slept on it for several years and you've got that little dip where you just settle into and that's where you get comfortable at. I feel that's where our church is at right now and that's not where God has called us to be as a church. We are not called to lay down in that little rut and get comfortable and stay right there. God is calling us to more. He is calling us to bigger. He is calling us to greater things. And those things can only happen if we are people of faith. And so to explore this, we turn to the events in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua, where Joshua asked for the sun to stand still, and God answered that prayer. Uh, But before we move on to our final message, let's run through a little bit of review, because it's been a couple of weeks since we were uh, last together, and so let's talk about what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and we explored one basic concept two weeks ago, and that's if we want to see Jesus do big things, we have to actually ask him to do big things. If we never ask for it, we are never going to see it. But there are things that happen when we ask for something that keep us from actually getting those things, especially big things. And the first thing that, it, 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 that keeps us from asking is that uh, we only ask one time and then quit asking. See, prayer is not a one and done deal. It's not something that we go to God, we ask one time, and then we say, well, God didn't answer, I'm stopping. Prayer is something that's a process. Yes, sometimes we get a one and done. However, most of the time we don't get that. We have to pray and pray and pray and ask and ask and ask, and eventually at some point God may move and work. But some people, when they look at that and they pray and God doesn't seem to move, they have a struggle that comes up within them and they start to ask themselves questions. And the first question that people will generally ask is this, well, the Bible says that I need to have faith. And so is it because I don't have enough faith that God has not answered my prayer? 
And what we saw a couple weeks ago was that we don't have to have huge faith. I had a mustard seed up here. I held that mustard seed up, and it was a tiny speck. You couldn't even see it in my hands. And that's all that God requires of us in order to to, to, to live in faith is a small, a tiny seed that you couldn't even see there. It doesn't need to be the size of a tomato. We had a tomato here, a cantaloupe, a watermelon. I even had an elephant here. So if you missed two weeks ago, we had an elephant in here. Um, but it doesn't need to be that big. All it needs to be is the size of a little seed that you cannot see from far away. God is not causing you to go through something or to pray and pray and pray with nothing happening because you don't have enough faith. If you can muster a small speck, you've got it. And then finally, we looked at the fact that God, doesn't, that God does sometimes say no to our prayers. That's the thing we don't like. God says no, and it's like, well, I always tell my kids yes, so God, shouldn't you God tell me yes about everything? No, God doesn't work like that. He actually does what's best for us, not what will make us happy. Okay, and so sometimes God will say no, and then finally we looked at diseases and sickness in our bodies because this is an area that people really struggle with, and they, they look at their bodies, they're breaking down, they're sick, they're, um, they've got all sorts of issues going on, and there's diseases, young people getting diseases, kids getting diseases, and it's like, what's wrong? Why won't God do something about this? And what we saw was the root of all of those diseases is actually, in fact, sin. Okay, cancer came from sin coming into the world. Diabetes came from sin coming into the world. Arthritis came from sin coming into all of this stuff that breaks down our bodies comes from sin coming into the world. And the only way that God can get rid of sin is if he destroys our body. Well, he doesn't want to walk in and just kill everybody off. And so what he does is he says, look, live through this life, and then once you make it through I'm going to give you a new body that's going to last eternally, that's never going to suffer from any of those effects. Remember, I had that long tape across the room, and we had this little speck down here that represented our life, and this long tape that represented eternity. And that speck was nothing in comparison, but yet we spend so much of our time basing everything in our life on these 50, 60, 70, 80 years that we live here on this planet, and that is just a wrong way to live because that speck is so small in comparison with everything else. And so instead, we should compare with eternity and know that one day our bodies will be healed when we receive our new bodies when we pass away and transition from this earth to living with God. And so that's what we talked about. And so with that, let's head back to our text for the final time in this series this morning. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 10, reading verses 5 through 14. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with it, I usually have it on the screen behind me, but I'm sorry, not today. I don't have it for you today, so you're just going to have to listen to what I say uh, as I read it. This is what it says, Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 5. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. 
After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Haran and cut them off, uh, cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the sword of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the, nations avenged, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the day and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. All right, so where do we start in this final installment? Let's start with the urgent. Has anybody ever been in a situation that was really urgent? There was an urgency about you? Anyone? No one? Only a couple of you? All right. Uh, uh, I've been in a lot of those situations. Like, have you ever been driving someplace and had to pee really bad? I mean, that's pretty urgent, isn't it? You're sitting there going, where's the... Or how about you're driving along and all of a sudden your gas gauge drops to E and your little light comes on that says you're almost out of fuel. Does that make you kind of urgent? See, sometimes I like to live my life on the edge with that E light on my car. Because stopping to get gas, I feel, is not a good use of my time. And so I'm always pushing it, especially when it comes to us traveling across the country. As many of you know, we've driven a lot across this country. And uh, there was one time when we were living in Boston, and Dana and I, we were headed back to Minnesota, and we were driving through upstate New York on the New York Thruway, and we're cruising along, and I had a rental car, and we're driving, and all of a sudden the, the, the check engine light, or I mean not the check engine light, the low fuel light comes on. And we're coming to a gas station, and the service plaza was pretty busy, right? And so I'm like, man, if I stop there, that's going to slow me down for like 20 minutes. And there was a sign that said, next service plaza, 30 miles. My thought is, I can make 30 miles on this much gas, right? So I'm like, forget it. I'm going to the next one. Maybe there's less people there. And so I kept going uh, on, on Interstate 90, just cruising along. And the gas station wasn't coming. And it wasn't coming. And I didn't see it. And I forgot to look at where we started at in miles. And the next thing you know, I'm in a full panic because I totally think we're going to run out of gas. I was doing about 95 miles an hour, hoping to cut that mileage that I needed to go down quickly because I was scared I was going to run out of gas. I may have even said some unkind things in the car as I urgently searched for this service plaza because I didn't want to be left stranded on the side of the road. Now, those of you that need to know the end of the story, I made it to the service plaza, but like it was like a 15-gallon tank, and I put 15 gallons in it. So um, we pushed it to the, I pushed it to the edge. Dana doesn't do the stuff like that. I'm the dumb one who does that. All right. But urgency, if you really think about it, is an important part of who we are and how we are wired. Urgency helps us complete tasks, accomplish things, and move forward in life. How many of you would ever have completed your schoolwork if there wasn't the urgency of a deadline to turn in said papers or whatever? 
okay? Most of us would have been like, uh, I'll just turn it in when I get to it, and we'd never get to it, right? But there's an urgency within us. Either A, because we want to get that paper in, or B, we just don't want to get an F. Sometimes it's the urgency with me that Sunday is coming that allows me to finish my message because there are some weeks that literally I do not want to get up here and talk at all, okay? It just happens sometimes, and urgency is a factor in this event as well. Uh, with praying for the sun to stand still, Joshua and the army of Israel, because they were on a mission, and that mission was to conquer the promised land. This event where the sun stood still was in fact a distraction from their mission. Why do I say it was a distraction from their mission? Well, well, here's what's, what the deal is. If we were to turn back one chapter in the book of Joshua, this is what we would discover. Okay, the Israelites, they were in their camp. They were in their military camp, and they were awaiting instructions from God on where they were to go next, on, on what their army was to do next. Well, as they're sitting there in their camp trying to figure this out, some dudes stroll up. Okay, and they're in ripped up clothes and they've got moldy food and they walk into the camp and they're like, oh, the Israelites, we're so thankful we found you. And they're like, why? Because we heard about you from a faraway land and we want to be a part of what God is doing in your country. And so we have come here so that we can make a treaty with you because we want to be a part of what you are doing. And the Israelites said, but how do we know you don't live nearby? And uh, the guy said, hey, look, man, when we left our homeland, these clothes that I'm wearing, they're br they were brand new. Now they're all ripped and tattered and dirty and disgusting. And this food that's in our bags, when we, when we left home, this food was fresh out of the oven. But now here it is, all dry and moldy and gross. And so we've come from a faraway land. And so the Israelites do what we usually do in those situations. They didn't pray about it. And they said, these guys must be telling the truth, right? And so they said, all right, we'll enter into an agreement with you. And so they signed a treaty but unfortunately, they signed a treaty with the Gibeonites because days later they discovered that these people did not in fact live really far away, but they lived down the block from them. The Israelites, they were mad, but they were stupid enough to fall for the con, and so they were stuck in a treaty with the Gibeonites. And even God said to them, bro, you should have prayed before you signed this, but now you didn't, and so now you're stuck, and so... You know, I mean, like I said, I'm sure many of us have been in that situation before where we did something and we didn't pray about it and then we're like, oh, dude, that was dumb. That's where the Israelites were at. But this treaty that they signed, not only was it a treaty that said Israel would not kill all the Gibeonites, but it also committed Israel to defend the Gibeonites if they were attacked. Well, guess what happens? The Gibeonites were attacked. They were attacked by the cities that surrounded them in retaliation for their making this treaty with Israel. That meant that Israel had to come and defend Gibeon, okay? Um, this was not a part of their original battle plan. This was not where Israel was planning on putting their resources. This was a distraction from the mission that God had given them which created a sense of urgency in Joshua and his men when they marched for Gibeon. They were urgent to get back on mission and move forward in doing what God commanded them to do. And that sense of urgency fueled the prayer that Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. And in our prayers for the sun to stand still, there needs to be a sense of urgency as well. What because what comes with a sense of urgency? What comes with that? 
when you're under a timeline, when you have something that's on you that makes you feel urgent, things change about you. You see, when you are urgent, your mind all of a sudden becomes focused. When I was urgently looking for a place to get gas, every single sign I passed, I wanted to know if that sign said anything about a gas station on it because I was completely and totally laser-focused on getting gas in my car. When I was urgent to complete that 15-page paper in college, I was singularly focused on making sure that paper got done and getting to the deadline and turning that thing in. See, when you are urgent, you are passionate about what's in front of you. You are passionate about the topic of your paper. You are passionate about whatever is going on in your heart at the time. And when you feel this sense of urgency, you have to get done whatever it is that has raised your sense of urgency in the first place. If you have to go to the bathroom, if you're urgent about it, you got to go to the bathroom right now. So you're looking for the sun to stand still. You're looking for God to do something big for you. The question is, are you urgent about that prayer? What does that mean? First question is, are you focused? Are you looking for the sun to stand still? Are you trying to get God to move in any way, shape, or form? Are you passionate about the sun standing still? I mean, if we say we're urgent and passionate about doing something, but yet we don't take time to actually pray for the issue that's going on, we're really not all that passionate. We're not really all that focused about it. If we're focused and passionate, we're telling other people about what's going on in our lives so that they can pray for us as well. And now here's the crazy one. When we're really looking for God to do something, we're fasting. Oh, dude, listen. We don't do that anymore, okay? This is 21st century. We don't need to fast for stuff that's a little extreme. How bad do you want it? I mean, really, that's got to be the question that we ask ourselves is, how badly do we want it? Because see, what we'll do is we're willing to take small sacrifices, ones that really don't hurt or cost us much and say we're urgent and passionate, but really, when you, a lot of us, I think, if we were to compare our life with Jesus and what we sacrifice for Jesus and our life for our family and what we sacrifice for our family... If you were just to look at the two, most of us, it would look like we sacrifice way more for our family than we ever do for Jesus. You see, we'll say to ourselves, man, I can't afford this, but my kids want it, so I'm going to do it. But then Jesus calls us and says, I need you to give a little more, and we're like, God, I just don't have the money. I don't have the time to sacrifice for that. And I feel that this is what is causing the church in America to, one, be dying. If you haven't heard the stats, the church in this country is dying at a rapid rate. We've become comfortable. Sacrifice is no longer part of the formula for us. But in order to see God move in sun, stand still, prayers, we need to develop a sense of urgency for God to do big things, but make sacrifices to show that sense of urgency, that sense of passion, that sense of focus. And I believe if as a church we were to get into that place, we were willing to make more sacrifice, 
we would see more of things like the sun standing still. Now, I don't think we're ever going to see the sun to stand still again, but we're going to see powerful, mighty things happen and take place. Our second thing to point out is that many times if we want to see our prayers answered, we also have to do something to make it happen. We have to advance towards the answer. See, we already pointed this out, but the Israelites, in order to win this battle, had to go out there and they had to fight in the war. God could have just crushed these armies, but he didn't. Instead, he told Joshua, move the armies forward, fight, advance, and engage in battle. Can I tell you that most of the time when we pray prayers, when we are looking for the sun to stand still, it's not just up to God to make that happen, but we have to do something as well to advance towards the answer? What do I mean by that? Well, there are people that are praying for miracles in their finances. If you're not changing the way you're spending, God's not going to do a miracle in that situation. Some people are wanting God to heal their bodies, but they're unwilling to eat right, they're unwilling to exercise, they're unwilling to do what their doctor has told them to do, and then wonder why God isn't healing me. We've got to advance. I mean, I've had people, you know, they're, I, I'm, I'm in terrible health, but they're a chain smoker. Stop smoking. That could, call, that could fix two things. That could also give you a pay raise. I, every time I'm at, well, okay, so like when I was like 18, 19, and 20, I used to smoke cigarettes. So anyways, now when I pull up to the gas station and see how much cigarettes are, my first thought is, for the love of God, how can anyone afford to smoke anymore? I mean, that's the thought that crosses my mind because I remember when I was paying a dollar a pack, okay, and now they're like five bucks, and I'm like, or more than that, six, seven. I'm like, jeez, that's so much money. But anyways, a miracle is not going to happen unless we're moving forward in that area. A lot of people, oh, man, I just want my family to be saved. I want them to know Jesus. One, are you telling them about Jesus? Two, are you living your life in consistency with the gospel of Jesus? If you're not doing those, you're not going to see that miracle. Because what are they going to listen to? Either A, you're not saying anything so they don't know about Jesus, or B, you're showing them an example that's the opposite of living for Christ, and they're never going to follow Jesus. We have to advance towards the answer. In order for the sun to stand still, we have to move in the direction of that prayer, advance in the direction of that prayer, and do what we can to bring the answer and allow God to do the rest. Then the last thing I see in this text has to do with the reason that they were asking for the sun to stand still in the first place. What's the reason they needed a miracle from God? Well, they made a bad, boneheaded decision. They did what God told them not to do. God told them not to make treaties with any of the nations that lived in the land, but that's exactly what they did. Now, because of that treaty, they were in a position where they needed God to do something great to get them out of that position. As we already said, the battle took them off mission, plus this battle wouldn't have even happened if the Israelites hadn't signed that treaty with the Gibeonites in the first place. So the situation that Israel was in was purely and totally because they disobeyed God. And yet, what did God do? He did a miracle. He intervened and made the sun stand still. And I think there's many of us in this room that can relate to this. We've done boneheaded things, and we say to ourselves, well, that was so stupid, because like, I'm a big like responsibility guy. If I screw something up, 
I'm like, oh, that was my fault. You know, I got I to gotta do what I can to fix it. But you know what? God, even though we screw up, even though we make mistakes, even though we miss the mark, he's not going to just go, well, sucks to be you. God is still there waiting to do a miracle even in the places that you messed up. Now, if you want him to do a miracle and you want to continue going in the messed up direction, that's not going to happen. Because as we've said in the past, or as I've said in the past, God doesn't enable us to live in sin. But if we're in a place where we've screwed up and we're saying, man, God's not going to do it because I'm the one who screwed up. No, God is still in the miracle working business. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can make the sun stand still in that situation and in your life. This event, the battle, was a consequence of the Israelites' boneheaded decision. Even in our boneheaded decisions, God's still there moving and working on our behalf if we just go to him and ask him. He wants to show up in power in all of our lives. He wants to make the sun stand still in all of our lives. But you cannot let the guilt and the shame of the decisions that you have made hold you back from what God wants to do. He's a loving, gracious, heavenly father who wants to move in power in your life. Let him do that. Push past that past. Push past your failure and allow him to do something great in your life. Allow him to make the sun stand still in your situation, whatever you find yourself in. But if you're one of those people who's looking to still head in the opposite direction, don't expect God to work in that. He's not going to work in that. Make the decision, make the commitment to do things differently, to head in a different direction. God's not going to reward your rebellion. He loves you too much to leave you there so that you stay the same. Get out of your own way and do things God's way. So in closing this series out this morning, are any of these keeping you from your sun stand still prayer? Do you have an urgency in yourself about what you're really seeking God to move and work in? Is there an urgency and a restlessness in you? Are you focused on what you are asking God to do? Are you passionate about doing whatever you can to make the sun stand still? Are you so passionate that you're actually even willing to make sacrifices to see God do something in that situation? Are you advancing towards the answer? Are you playing your role? Are you taking your part? Are you changing your habits and actions to align with the prayers that you are praying? Because if you are not, you are probably not going to see the sun stand still. And then finally, you've got to work in those boneheaded decisions, but you've got to come and you've got to ask him and lay all of that stuff aside. And so if you're here this morning and you need urgency, if you're here this morning and you need passion, if you're here this morning and you need focus on those things, if you're here this morning and you're saying, God, help me to understand what I need to sacrifice. Whatever it is in any of the things that we talked about this morning, we want to spend a few minutes just asking God to move and work in whatever situation you have, in whatever the reason is, in whatever is going on when it comes to the sun standing still in your life. 
So we're going to open the front of the room. They're just going to play some music. And uh, I'll be down front to pray for you. If you want to come up and have me pray for you, you can. If you want to go off to the sides and just pray by yourself, you can. We're just going to take a few minutes because we want to respond to God. We want to hear what God has to say to each of us, where he's challenging each one of us so that we can have, so that we can see the sun stand still in our church and in our lives. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.